0: Today on the pod, we have Reggie Gamble, assistant football coach at Ashland University. Uh, Coach Gamble is going to talk a little bit about coaches that have inspired him throughout his life, um, a little bit about the recruiting process at Ashland University, and how he came back to Ohio from California after coaching a junior college. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Bases Loaded Podcast. I'm your host, Gabe Kennedy, and today, my guest is Reggie Gamble. Coach, how's it going, man?
1: Doing good, Gabe, man. Doing great. How about yourself?
0: Nah, I, I can't complain. I think uh, a lot of sports fans are a lot worse off out there than I am currently. But uh, let's start with uh, how old are you and what's your profession?
1: 34 years old, and I coach college football. I coach the tight ends and fullbacks at Ashland University.
0: Okay, Ashland University. So, you know, what have you been doing or what have you been allowed to uh, to be doing since all this COVID stuff hit?
1: Uh, you know, it's been a lot of just evaluation and recruiting. Um, <laughs> you've gotten to the point where guys are redoing their their trainers and their manuals, and at this point, we're just looking for some coaching to do. Um, you know, our situation has been a little bit different with the furlough. Um, so we haven't been a- allowed to be out actively recruiting um, in some of the ways that other Division II schools have. Um, but... You know, we've gotten a ton of work done evaluation-wise, and, you know, once that's lifted, we're going to be hitting this thing really hard because it's just become a, a recruiting race and a development race with the guys that you're going to have on campus with the everything that's kind of coming down this fall.
0: So how do you mentally get through this? Because I know, like I was saying, with with fans, especially, you know, everything coming out with the Big Ten and all that stuff, how do you mentally get through this?
1: You just figure out what you can control and control that and let everything else go, you know. I so many times we get caught up in trying to control everything about a situation. And us as coaches, we're doubly guilty of that. You know, we want to make sure the situation is right for our kids, whether it be our, their learning opportunities, um, the opportunities to get on the field, what's going to happen on the field. We design every play. We think, you know, we have a script for ten plays that all should be touchdowns. You know, and so as you get to this point, there's so many things going on right now that are out of everyone else's, out of everyone's control, that we just have to slow down and rein our kids in and control what we can control. And so the time that we're given with them, make sure we have things to do. Um, This is going to be an awesome time for leadership uh, player development in ways that we've never had time before to do in the fall. You know, so some guys, it's obviously everyone wants to be playing football that that, this I just talked to a buddy earlier night and this is obviously the first fall and most of our lives that there's no college football or potentially high school football um, is those things are still decided. But, you know, the things we can control are the, what we do with our kids once we have them when the mandates are sent down. And so anything beyond that, I feel, you know, is just doing a disservice to you guys in your locker room.
0: Yeah, well said. I hate to hear it, but you – I mean, that's – you're correct. Uh, so let's take it back a little bit to, uh, you know, your childhood growing up. What are some memories you have playing football or just being around the game?
1: Man. Uh, my first memory is myself with the Jim Brown uh, outfit. You know, they gave me like some fake shoulder pads, had the jersey, had the orange Browns helmet with what now I believe like a punter's face mask or something. So. <laughs> uh, you know, just out in the front yard, just thinking I was the man. <laughs> but uh, that's probably my earliest memory. And then from there you go to like flag football. Um, I look back at the flag football team we had. You look back at your youth team, man, I had some great athletes <laughs> surrounding me, you know. Uh, but I played tight end and offensive line most of my life. <laughs> so, like, my, my, t- my destiny was well laid out early on. But, you know, those are, you know, winning championships. I mean, I remember winning a championship in, like, first grade, play football, you know. And, like, those things stick with kids. And so, when they talk about, like, all the stuff that the kids are going to miss out on this year, particularly those seniors, it's real. Um, those are memories. I have memories from my senior year. I remember my last game. I remember everything leading up to and after that game, you know, so. Um, but that, that was probably my earliest, the Jim Brown uh, outfit and just winning a championship in flag, first grade flag football.
0: So were the flag football coaches, were they high school kids?
1: No, these were parents. Uh, they were parents. And we, I've been blessed, man, <laughs> with the amount of um, coaches who cared not even just their skill level or the things they knew, but coaches who actually cared. And, you know, that allowed that me to have a phenomenal experience. And a lot of people don't have the, that great of experience, you know, in the youth sports at this day and age. And um, I was fortunate enough to play youth sports, you know, multiple sports every year and have coaches who just genuinely cared. And, you know, so having those guys as parents, those being parents of friends, you know, later on, big dividends, you know, and you understand, you know, the game is bigger than just, you know, a win or a loss. We did a lot of winning too. So it lets you know that, you know, you can win by caring. <laughs> and that, that's something that I didn't put together until I became a coach. Sure.
0: Um, so obviously, to coach at the collegiate level, um, you got to love what you're doing. Um, you know, w- was there a specific moment or event that was a turning point for you to become a coach?
1: Man, I had always said at some point I was going to coach. I didn't know when Um, I left college with the thought I'd be a CEO of YMCA by the age of like 28 or something like that. That was my plan. Anybody that knows if anytime you have a plan, you know, God's laughing at you. (laughs) And uh, you know, I got fired from the Y after like uh, maybe nine months. And uh, I just looked back and I was like, what's been good to me? What do I want to do? And coaching kind of was just like the only, the thing that just kept coming back. Um, and I, so I just started filling out applications. So out I have to send my resume to everybody on, off of a football scoop. And probably after, you know, 100 emails being sent, I got a call back about a job in California. And that's kind of what started my journey.
0: So Mansfield Senior to yeah. Ashland University to the state of California. That, that's a that's pretty crazy, crazy journey, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, more people will say it's crazy that I came back. <laughs> you know like that that's the the crazy part that people talk about it's not that i went to california that i came back from california uh to come back to ashland yeah but that tells you the the time i had and the memories i made at that place how special it was and the game of football brought me back and so i i haven't argued with it it has done right by me you know but yeah it's a crazy journey man it was a crazy trip and the time i spent there was unbelievable uh i will forever have a place in my heart for California.
0: Absolutely. So uh, you're in California for a little bit. Then you come back uh, to Ohio and get hired at AU. How did that go down?
1: Man, you know, I was in California um, getting my sunroof fixed. and I got a phone call about, you know, telling me about the D-line coach I've been let go and uh, my name had came up and I should give, you know, start giving some people back here a call. And so I started calling. And I um, ended up being, talking to Coach Owens. And, you know, I knew there were some other guys up for the job who were very qualified. Um, and my trajectory and the things I had done since leaving Ashland kind of put me in just in a different space. Um, but all those guys are great. They're still really good coaches. Um, you know, but that was my way of getting back. I mean, I had the right relationships. And you know, the things I had done, was I was able to, you know, Impress upon them that I could do a really good job at Ashland um, in that capacity, you know, because to go from a junior college coach to a full-time, uh, whether it be D2, D1, any, anywhere, go from junior college to anywhere full-time is a jump. And um, it was one of those things like, hey, if it's on the table, man, you got to take this now. Like if this is what you want to do, um, which is it's what I do, it's what I love to do. I wake up every day. I love what I do. And, um, and so it was just a, the right time, right timing, right to the right place.
0: So when you're out in California, were you kind of waiting and, and hoping that soon you'd be coming back this way or the opportunity just came up?
1: Opportunity just came. I When I left Ohio, I had zero plans of ever coming back. <laughs> um, so, like, no, I was set up shop. I was living in, in Santa Barbara on the Riviera. Um, boy, they, they tell you to enjoy life because you don't know when, like, what your next phase is going to be. And I went from living on the Riviera to a view with a view of the entire city in the ocean to living in the seminary parking lot excuse me living in the seminary with a view of the parking lot <laughs> in in one day you know so uh i woke up in california looking at the Riviera, and i went to sleep that night with the window looking staring out into the parking lot of the seminary and uh you know so i'd never planned on that being the, <laughs> the, the route that i took uh but it's been good to me
0: so what would you say your best day Uh, has been so far as a player or a coach best day or best game
1: boy those are so many different things Um, best game as a coach man I'm I had a lot of really good games Uh, I I've been blessed to coach a lot of really good players and when you coach the good players normally and you have big wins those are dudes that are doing things and so I have some games with Adam Shaheen where he just goes off and I'm like, boy, I don't know if this, I'll ever have a better day. I've had days where like my entire room scored a touchdown. It's like, wow. You know what I mean? And I coached Jamie meter and like some of the things that kid did on the field were unbelievable. And Adam and Jamie both spent time in the NFL. So I've been blessed with the coaches, the kids I've been able to coach. Um, As a player, I was here. We won our first playoff game. You know what I mean? So there's, That's hard. That's a tough question. Um, But probably when I have kids come back and they tell me that the impact I made on them. That's and I just had one of those happen this past weekend. A kid called me and um, said he needed a recommendation for a military job. And uh, he's like, you know, you know me best. And like I, I feel that, you know, my time being recruited by you and being coached by you and with the way you've treated me since I've left Ashland. You know, I I can't think of anyone better. And those things mean the world to you. You know what I mean? As a young guy getting into this game, I knew I had my life impacted by coaches. I had no clue that I would ever impact lives the way mine was. And so when you ask me that question, it's like, man, do I talk about when this kid's life changed? Do I talk about when this kid's life changed? Um, You know, so that becomes a very tough question because the football games, there's so many of those. I mean. By all rights, I should say Graham, beating Grand Valley on Hail Mary this year was one of the best football moments I'll ever have because um, that was hard fought and no one gave us a chance to win that game. And the win it in the fashion, which we did, was unbelievable because uh, I bet you not very many coaches have won on Hail Mary. Um, and so that was special. But the, the relationships that, that I've built with the kids that have been here, that I've recruited um, – that supersedes everything, all of it. So, you
0: talk about the Hail Mary, and that brings up my, my next question, I guess. Uh, obviously, when that happens, it's kind of like, you know, you look at the scoreboard, you're looking around, you're looking for flags and everything else. Uh, everyone's pumped up, but you were a little bitter about the play before, right? Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, one of my favorite, favorite kids on our team. You know, the play before that, Austin steps up, and he delivers a strike down the sideline. Um, just goes through the kid's hands. And it was a rainy day, but it went through his hands. And before we lined up, I'm still just going on about that play. <laughs> and we get back on the bus. We win the game, we get back on the bus, we talk, and say, like, yeah, you know, that's phenomenal. But we shouldn't have been in that situation, because we should have caught the one before. <laughs> and my guys will tell you, like, so many times, like, awesome things will happen. They will do some really good things. But I'm going to pick your part on the bad things. and that was a bad thing. We won the game and just like every other p- piece of film, you go back, there were a hundred mistakes by X amount of players on my guys. Everybody, everybody on the team has, has mistakes. There's no perfect games ever played, um, And so what I need to get better at is kind of just moving on <laughs> from some certain things. Um, and I, to this day, like that kid is one of my favorite kids. And, you know, we, we'll talk, we'll joke about it. You know what I mean? Like bowling saved the day. And guess <laughs> what he did, you know, so. Um, but not taking anything away from that game or from what Bowling and Brenner did, but, like, I was like, boy, we should have won the game on the last play, <laughs> not this miraculous one. So, you know, but.
0: What would you say your uh, worst or most embarrassing day um, or specific game has been?
1: Man, it doesn't even have anything to do with football. Um, I go back to the Powell Gymnasium in Mansfield. Those people from Mansfield or the area. We have an idea mm-hmm. of it um pal gym, all the aau youth league teams in the area you would play a season there um man i got i, I went up the block of shot or something and ended up getting flipped in, onto the ground coach comes out whole gym's quiet and uh i ripped the biggest fart <laughs> you know and uh the gym's silent fart rips and it's like the head the coach is coming out to see me he just sits and he turns around, and starts laughing, and it's like, what did I just do? <laughs> Everyone heard it. I get back to the bench, and my guy, Marcus Butler, is just, like, losing it. And, you know, that's probably the most embarrassing moment uh, just because the entire gym heard it. There was no hiding that moment and me hiding from it. Uh, so, that was – yeah, that's by far the most embarrassing sports moment. Uh coaching wise I don't know uh nothing's
0: gonna nothing. top that nothing's gonna no top absolutely
1: it. not that's 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 what I got for you man that's it
0: <laughs> so did you have trust issues for like a couple weeks after that
1: absolutely not that was what are you gonna do you know what I mean <laughs> I, I started trusting them all right away uh, <laughs> uh, so who are
0: who are some people or coaches that uh, have really inspired you throughout your life so far
1: Man, I'll tell you what, that's a long list. Um, you know, I talked about my AAU, that AAU team. Um, we got a guy named Coach Butler, um, my, my friend Marcus Butler's dad, Tyrone Butler. He took AAU team and just picked up kids and would take us around. And, I mean, we saw some places and play a lot of, formed a phenomenal AAU team. And um, that was probably one of the first. And then from there, Doug Castle. The young guy who was, you know, he uh, ran the Mehawk Relays. Those of you who know track in the state of Ohio, you know the Mehawk Relays or at least the history of it. And he was a principal at our middle School and taught me an awesome lesson of humility. Uh, you know, we were, God, seventh, eighth grade, eighth grade maybe, and the football team, you know, we're, what are you, 13 years old, 12 years old, and, you know, talking – just making you know making fun poking fun of the girls volleyball team and he set up an assembly and had us play the girls volleyball team and they smoked us god they smoked us and that was the first like hey don't don't judge anyone else <laughs> you know the, just handle your business and uh that was the biggest lesson of humility i'd ever received at that point probably still still to this day um you know you can be beat by you know we were beat by the girls volleyball team and at their sport you know that let us know how tough what they were doing was um, you know, so and I don't even remember if they were good or not. I couldn't tell you, but I know they beat us, you know, cause we had no idea about bump set spike at that point. So, uh, you know, but that's probably that. And then you know, I've had a slew of, you know, a track coach and Khalil Ali, um, Grant Weaver, um, Jeff McCoy, some of those names, I don't know if you got, Stan Jefferson, obviously played a big role. I still talk to Stan to this day. Um, you know, there's, there's been so many people, uh, Doug guys are here at Ashland. You know, him and Lee have uh, influenced my my career. Uh, Greg Gillum. There's there's so many people, man. Um, I I'd say I've been blessed in this whole thing. You know. Coaching. we talking about the way sports saves people. You know. I've had phenomenal coaches. I've had some phenomenal male influences, uh, male figures in my life, and you know. I like to think that you know I've. <clears throat> been luckier than most because I know a lot of kids don't get that you know and when you start recruiting um, in the city and you start seeing the kids and some of the, some of these kids go through at home that we recruit and you're just amazed that they make it out of it you know, you're amazed this kid has a 3.0 GPA and a 20 on his ACT or sometimes you're amazed that a kid has a 2.2 and an 18 you know so uh, I'd never take for granted the people that were put in my life and uh, you know so and I thank all those guys.
0: So do you ever see yourself um, maybe acting or even saying some things that you got from those guys?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, my coaching style and, you know, that's all been bits and pieces I've picked up over the years of different coaches I've had. Um, I'm stern, but, uh, you know, I understand the importance of these guys um, doing camaraderie outside of just the work. You know, some people buy into the work completely um, and others – you have to find different ways to get them to understand why you're doing the work. Um, So I've anything, a lot of those guys are just polar opposites that I've had as coaches, but it's shown me a lot of different ways to get things done and to get people to buy into a mission um, and to understand the culture and to live a culture.
0: So what are some things that you've stolen or used um, from other coaches that you've coached with, or maybe people that have coached you at the upper levels, Um, any drills or maybe just a kind of ways to do things?
1: Man, I really, the number one thing I've stolen, and I, it should be something that we all do uh, innately, but it's not. And for me, it's just really being just 100% honest with these kids all the time. And what I've discovered is that that breeds respect. They may not like what you say, and they could disagree with what you say, but they are going to respect you. you know, I mean, if you're 100% giving them your honest opinion every single time, and and they know that you have their best interest at heart, these kids will run through a wall for you. And I'm not going to ask them to literally run through a wall. But if that means, hey, Coach said that I need to set up my planner, my daily planner like this to get through my day, I trust what he's saying. He has my best interest at heart. You know, it goes deeper than just doing a play right on fourth down. You know what I mean? Like, because my my charge beyond getting them to be good football players is to make sure that when they go into the world, they're ready. You know what I mean? I take them from at 18. And everyone knows you really don't know anything at 18, even though everybody feels like they know the world at 18. Uh, but my charge is at 22, 23, they need to be ready for the world. And that's what their parents are expecting. That's what they're expecting. That's what I tell them in recruiting. And so I can't – there's no way for me to do that without just being honest with them. And, you know, that's, that's probably the number one thing I've learned. I, the drills are drills. Um, everyone has a million different ways to do things. Um, you can run a combo on the inside zone a hundred different ways, you know, but being honest with your kids, that's going to get that stuff done. It doesn't matter what drills you work. If your kids don't trust you and believe what you're, the words are coming out of your mouth, the drills don't matter one bit.
0: So let's uh, focus to recruiting a little bit. Obviously that's the, the, I guess, lifeblood to your football program. Uh, how often are you normally out recruiting uh, during summertime, I'd say? Uh, obviously, now is a lot different than with what you can and cannot do. Uh, but normally, you, are you gone, like, all the time before, you know, fall camp sets in?
1: Yeah. Um, so, we call, like, everything after um, spring ball, like, recruiting season, second recruit, first recruiting season, really. You know, um, we have kids on campus usually for our spring game um obviously that didn't happen this year and then there's a bunch of evaluations and we generally try to get to most of the schools in the state as a staff and um you know so we get out and we like we canvas you know we're gonna we're gonna build those relationships and foster and cultivate those relationships and you know that I believe has a lot to do with our success in recruiting in the state um, and then June and May, like May we have our camps and June we're, we're hitting all the other camps, the D1 camps and whatnot, the satellites, all the things that are allowed. Um, you know, you have all those workout facilities and, the, and the such that have their own workout days. And it's for you to see kids and they're doing one-on-ones and all that stuff. So you go to as many of those as you can uh, for your area and try to get eyes on all of the kids that you're recruiting. All of your A-list guys or whatever, however you rank those kids, you want to be able to get eyes on all of them as many as possible. And so, you know, you break that up and you the whole staff's out for the month of May and June, really recruiting. And same thing with July. Um, July July's our you know, if there's a vacation time, that's when it happens. Uh, But we're all working throughout the summer. You know, it's a twenty four seven, three sixty five 365 job. Even when you go on vacation, like you're going to check for recruits here and there you're going to browse Twitter. Um, You're going to not, you're not going to not return that text from that kid that, you know, that, stud wide receiver that you want you know that offensive lineman that everyone's clamoring off over because the offensive linemen are not a dime a dozen ladies and gentlemen for those that don't know um the good ones are gone quick and there's very few of them and so you know it's a 24 7 365
0: gig Uh, do you have any advice to kids that are trying to decide on a college
1: make sure it's for the right reasons and no one can tell you what those reasons are that's uh you and your parents um you know i tell kids all the every kid i recruit hey listen man i'm not a salesman i'm not uh, i can tell you why Ashland university fits you from the things i know i'm a resource um it fits you because of x y and z And this is why i believe i can make you a better player i believe we can make you a better student a better man but i can't tell you why all those things are important to you you know what i mean so you sit, sit down with your parents And make sure the things that you're you're expressing these coaches and the questions you're asking are indicative of the things that you hold important. Um, So many times kids come to campus unprepared, you know, and you, and our job is to make sure, A, we don't take advantage of it, and to help them through that process. You know I think I think we have a great veteran staff, and those guys really want to make sure you you want kids to come to your place for the right reasons, because those are kids that are going to stay for four or five years and graduate. And, Everyone's going to be a better player in year four or five than they are in year one and two. That's just the way it is. And so to keep that retention and to keep kids, you know, that turnover low, you need kids to be there for the right reasons, you know, and sometimes for some kids, it's only money. Normally those things don't work out too well because there's so many other factors that goes into selecting a college other than just the money. But you you got, I also understand where the situation, some kids are coming from where man, I need the most money I can to get out. And so as coaches, we have to, you know, be able to dig through that. You know what I mean? And I'll not only find out why they're picking the school, um, but also, you know, how important are these reasons and what are the reasons behind the reasons? <laughs> you know, so it takes us a lot of homework on our end, a lot of homework. Yeah, I talk to a lot of people, um, guidance counselors, coaches, assistant coaches, um, other people and other teachers in the school. Um, how was that kid last year in that English class? You know, he got, the, he got a D in this class. Why? You go talk to that, that one teacher, find out who they were, you talk to them. You know, you, we have to do character. And I think coming up this year with recruiting, character is going to be such – that's the one thing that can be monitored to some degree. You know, are they, are they logging into all of their online classes if that's what the school is doing? Um, you know, how is he doing completing the work? is he showing up to the virtual workouts or wherever the coaching staff has those guys doing. Because I've imagined the high school coaches are very much like us. They still want to be able to keep a rein on, on these guys and try to help them in any way they can. And for a lot of us, helping is, hey, having something structured for them. That's really the biggest thing I can tell all those kids. You know what I mean? Know your wise, and, and be true to them. You know what I mean? Don't, don't get enamored. You know, we tell kids all the time, don't get enamored by the, the pretty buildings and the sweet jerseys. We got them. We've always had them. We're going to have them. You know what I mean? You need to make sure if you're coming to our places for the right reasons.
0: So have you – you mentioned, uh, you know, checking in on, on recruits and stuff on, and kids on social media on Twitter. Um, have you ever stopped recruiting or maybe slow played um, kids because of their social me- media activity?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> you just tell kids, hey, it sucks. But, like, that's a reflection if that, like – there's only so much information out there about you and we're talking about putting $30,000 a year into a kid or whatever that number may be, you know, they have to be smart business decisions. You know what I mean? So the care, everything, every piece of information we can get to judge your character we're going to use. You know, some things are hey, he a, use of. this was ninth grade. Da-da. Now I'm not scrolling back four years to, for for a kid. You know what I mean? Like, the things I thought at eight, at 16 or nowhere near the things I thought at, six, at 18, you know what I mean? So, uh, I'm not doing, I'm not one of those guys. I'm not going to go back the way the media does and go through your entire history of Twitter and find something ridiculous that you said, but I'm going to check and see where you've been at the last year, last two years. And, you know, I'm going to add that to the, what the perception I have of you from our conversations, because I'm going to talk to you a lot. A lot of kids don't like talking on the phone anymore. So you get a lot of just text conversations, Um, which I'll take for a bit, but eventually we're gonna have to talk on the phone. You know what I mean? Uh, We're gonna meet in person. I'm gonna see how you shake my hand. I'm gonna see if you look me in the eye. Um, Some things I thought were basic, you know? I I learned how to shake hands from an elementary school principal. You know what I mean? So these are, we're 18 now, you still don't know how to shake hands. Well, now with COVID, this is a totally different world. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to shake some of these kids' (laughs) hands, you know? But, you know, generally speaking, I want to be able to do those, do those tests and see those things. Um, and if a kid – now, I give everyone a second chance. I, I'm, a in, I'm a firm believer in being a teacher. So if I shake a kid's hand and it's a limp fish, it's a dead fish handshake, I'll correct him. I'll correct the grown men. I'll correct a kid about his handshake, and then we'll shake hands again. Is he coachable? That's the first step.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is definitely uh, different with – with COVID, maybe uh, virtual high fives or something like that, but
1: um, elbow, elbow bumps. And that's, yeah.
0: Something. I mean, that's just kind of the, the nature of it. So uh, with coaching college football, man, what advice would you give somebody who's interested in getting into that?
1: Know that is what you want to do. You got to love it. You got to love it. Um, you're going to be poor. <laughs> no one tells you that in the beginning uh, that you're going to be poor. I was told to love and appreciate your poverty because nothing but problems come once you get the money um but no love it you gotta love it you know the late nights and you know the little pay and sometimes i mean we were setting up the field when i took those junior college jobs we're helping set up the field um and so like you just appreciate every appreciate everything appreciate everything appreciate the relationships network network your butt off like you meet as many people as you can and you do the little things you send notes before season all the stuff that you know sometimes people don't want to do um do it, do it, do the little things. You know what I mean? Always find work because there's always work to do. Um, that's, and be yourself. That's probably the biggest thing. Be yourself. And through all of that, you know, be yourself, you know, because guys can point out fake really fast and whether that's the coaching staff you're on or the players, they're going to, if you're not real, you know, you're not genuine with those guys, eventually it comes out. It comes to light and that's the recruiting that's through your interaction with the staff you're on, and that's through coaching your kids.
0: So, obviously, film has changed um, quite a bit since, you know, you were a player and you first started coaching to now. Um, how important is it for your kids to watch film, and how often are you watching film as a coach?
1: I watch film all day, man. <laughs> Off and on. You know, I mean, now with Huddle, you on your phone, like, boom, you go and, you know, it, it, sitting down eating lunch boom I can just pull up I'm in, I'm driving and I'm not I'm in the car and I'm not the one driving I'm a passenger I can pull up some little huddle and watch some recruit or I can watch a little opponent film um coming in the morning like I'm a football junkie so like for me work what do you mean like I'm I'm watching this inside zone and I'm figuring out how to do this better and I'm trying to figure out how they decided to defend inside zone and what their d tackles were taught or they dooring like and so it's I couldn't tell you, I couldn't give you an hour amount of how much film I watch. Um, You know, I impress it upon my guys, you know, get three to six hours of, you know, opponent study in if you can. These kids' schedule these days are unbelievable. They're busy. They are busy. Um, In particular, our level, when, you know, things like internships and um, trying to graduate in four years are so imperative, you know, to the bottom... The bottom line of that bill, um, it's, it's hard sometimes to get six hours of film in. You know, but we have some kids that, f- that figure it out. They have great schedules. Normally, they're later into their careers when they get to that point when they're able to do that. Um, you know, they figured out how to work the schedule in their favor, especially during the season. So, um, but as far as the amount of film I watch, boy, it's, I couldn't tell you. Because when we're at work, half of our meetings are watching film. You know, then you watch a film on your own and get ready for the meeting to watch film. Uh, and so it's, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't give you an honest hour amount of the time I spent watching film.
0: What? Uh, so what do you do after games? Um, you know, game day comes, the game happens, you win, whether it's a hail mary or not. Uh, are you watching that film? Are you watching that game right away? You got to kind of unwind. How do you treat that after the game?
1: It just depends. Uh, sometimes you like you come home and. There's nothing going on. There's a little college football or college football slow that weekend. um, Or you play a night, you know, if it's a day game, yeah, I might breeze through the film uh, before going out and celebrating with the coaching staff. Um, But generally I try to leave it, (laughs) leave it. It's going to be there Sunday. (laughs) That's, that's the biggest thing. It's going to be there Sunday morning when I'm ready. And I wake up at seven to start grading the film. Uh, So generally I'll just leave it. And if I do watch it, I might watch the replay from TV. Um, just because it's neat to see our guys on TV. You know what I mean? Like, that's still cool. So I would imagine most coaches feel the same way. It's neat to see your guys and the kids you coach and sometimes yourself. I never get to see myself. They lock me away in the box. But, <laughs> you know, get to see, see your team and see your stadium and see how that looks on the production from a TV production uh, standpoint is neat. After that, like, cause this is like a long week. You got to de-stress. You know what I mean? Like, enjoy the win. Or spend the time talking through the loss, because either way, Sunday it's over. (laughs) You know what I mean? So you got to move on because, you know, you got to break this down and continue your breakdown for the next week and then head into that Monday meeting watching a bunch of film, man. So, yeah, I try to enjoy the the win as much as possible, you know. So, and sometimes that includes a little highlight from what just happened. And because sometimes, like the Hail Mary, you just want to see it. You know what I mean? Like one time, Adam Sahin took a five yard, we were running a little triangle concept, and he had the drag from left to right. And he catches the drag at like the 15 yard line. Stiff arms a kid from Fair State. And there's this six, seven, 270 pound monster running down the field and outrunning these DBs. And that, like, we won, we got on the bus. Hey, pull that up. I need to see that. You know what I mean? So, like, things happen. like we're we're fans first and foremost. I think all coaches are. That's why you do this. You know, like you want to you want to help kids and you want to um, make a difference in a lot of lives. But we're still fans of the game. You know what I mean? Like that's why I coach that I love the game still. You know what I mean? So when something sweet happens and it's my guys, man, let me see that. Rewind that. Like we're going I know me. And my, I know what plays me and my guys gonna rewind five times in the film. <laughs> you know what I mean? Good and bad and funny. I know which ones we're gonna rewind when it, when the game's over. Like I have all those memorized already, so.
0: So what would you be doing if you were not coaching football?
1: Boy, you know, I'd probably be an entrepreneur of some type in California because I probably would have never came back. And, uh, you know, that or somewhere in the corporate environment, I got my MBA while I was coaching um, just as, like, a it was originally to help myself with coaching because, you know, they were like, oh, if you give, have a master's, it adds, you know, like to your experience. So you, instead of having 10 years of experience as a coach, you have five and with your masters, like most other jobs. Um, so I'd probably be in business of some sort, you know, that's what recruiting is in, some, in a sense. It's probably sales to a degree. Um, you know, you see a lot of coaches who end up getting out, but um, not a lot, but some they go into, you know, pharmaceutical sales, uh, insurance. Uh, so I would imagine I would be in business of some sort, um, or running for office or something. I have no idea, man. It, possibilities are limitless.
0: Hopefully it doesn't get to that, right? Hopefully you keep pushing no, on for no.
1: the Opportunities to get out are always there. And there's always way more reasons to stay. You know, I don't work. You know, I hear, I, I hear, and I have friends who talk about working and the jobs and I coach football, man. <laughs> like I'm blessed. I'm blessed. You know, I get to wake up every day and love what I do. Um, now you have moments, you know, losing a game. And at the end of the day, guess what? It's a game. You know what I mean? Like I'm able to keep those things in perspective, and you know that, if nothing else, helps me, you know, remain level-headed and understand how lucky I am to do what I do and get paid to do it. You know, I'm, I'm obviously I'm not at Ohio State getting paid, you know, a million to coach, um, being offensive coordinator or anything of the sort. Um, and those guys are their money. <laughs> God, they earn their money. But you know, I'm in a place where you know we're winning football games. Um, I'm working with some good guys and I'm coaching an awesome group of kids, you know, and I'm not, I I love the position I coach, you know, so all those things go hand in hand and I'm 20 minutes away from home. You know, I still get to see my best friends and uh, my nieces and nephews. I watched my nephew, you know, play for a state championship this year. Um, They came up a little short, but I got to watch that ride that they went on as seniors. And those are things that, you know, I couldn't have done, you know, without, you know, being able to do that. I was able to, Hey, going to recruit they play teams from Cleveland thank you man for senior scheduling Uh, so I was able to recruit and watch my nephew play you know so I'm working and I'm being a good uncle at the same time it doesn't get much better than that you know
0: yeah you're not doing that uh, from California right
1: absolutely not you know so this coming back has been a blessing it's been a blessing in a lot of different ways you know so I just appreciate it all man
0: Uh, do you have any pet peeves as a coach anything that drives you crazy
1: being asked the same question twice uh, you know, by the same person, you know, if I tell you something one day and you come back in the very next day and you have the same question, uh, first I'm going to make sure nothing's wrong, you know. But once I realize it's just you weren't paying attention, then I'm pissed off, probably, you know. So, um, that or somebody not doing a drill right, that's probably bigger. Like when we're on the field and someone doesn't do a drill right that was explained to them and was done right three times before they stepped up, that that that. That irks me a bit. Now,
0: now, do you go crazy? Do, do you lose your mind? Are you, are you a no. younger?
1: When I was younger, absolutely. I, I, my voice went hoarse daily. Uh, but now it's more of a, you just move on. You just move on, right? You know, because uh, I tell these guys, you have to be as invested in your development as I am. And so if I have to, you know, if you don't know and you get to, hey, coach, I'm unsure about this movement. Great. I'll explain. I'll coach. That's what I do. But if you're just not paying attention, you jump up there like you know what's going on. Then you prove that you didn't know what was going on. You were, you know, lollygagging in the back of the line or whatever the case may be. Well, you're not invested. Now, I might jump your case, but if it becomes a habit, then all right. Then you're not really invested in getting better. And I know where, you know, and I will move accordingly. But, you know, you got to be able to invest in the ones that want to invest in themselves as well. And because if it's just coming from me, you're never going to be a player that I think you can be. Now, as coaches, sometimes we have to push certain kids along more than others. Um, But eventually it comes down to how much they want to be good or how much they want to succeed or work towards that goal that you have set for them.
0: All right, coach, man. Thanks a lot for being on the podcast and best of luck to you in the future.
1: Gabe, my pleasure, man. Same to you.
0: Thanks a lot for listening to another episode of the Basis Loaded podcast. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Bases Podcast.